ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I sat down with the hunting student, Brandon Goodwin. We get into new hunter woes, getting a late intro into hunting and being a field to plate provider. Enjoy the episode. So we are on with Brandon Goodwin. Brandon, good evening. Thanks for sitting down with me, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, Why don't you give us a little bit about uh, yourself? Well, thanks guy. Thanks for having me on. Um, You know, I am what they call an adult onset hunter i guess this is the phrase that's being thrown out there i hate that term um, i know i it, it, yeah it feels a little weird it feels like you know i have something that you know people wouldn't want to catch right a signal. Um, <laughs> but yeah the the goal really is i mean you know so I, i'm you know 42 I, I got my license my hunting you know sa- hunter safety taken care of when i was 38 and it was really um the result of you know pressure from my wife honestly she was like you need a hobby you need something to focus on something to do like what are you going to do when you get old? And uh, I love being outdoors. I grew up, you know, in California, born and raised. And so um, it started, you know, you know, bikes and skateboards and surfing and, and, and you know, eventually hiking and backpacking. Um, just love being outside. But I knew I didn't want to golf, you know. Right. <laughs> For me, it's like if I'm going to spend all that time outside and all that money doing something, then I said at least this is, you know, it, it, I can build off of my backpacking knowledge and bring some food home at the, at the end of the day, hopefully. Um, and so, yeah, so the last couple of years have been all about, you know, figuring out the landscape here in, uh, in Northern California. Uh, I live now uh, near Sacramento and the goal really has been to just get knowledge, right? I don't have that hunting tradition. Like my dad hunted when I was really young, um, but he didn't, engage in hunting when I was, as I was growing up. So there's kind of a gap in my, in my skill set there. 
and everything you see and you read, you know, it's just the heritage of it, the tradition of it, you know, the sweet spots where, you know, grandfathers take fathers, take sons, and everybody knows where to go and what to do. Um, I don't have that. And so uh, a few uh, few months ago, I started thinking about it because I was I was watching one of my favorite shows and everybody sitting around chatting looked like the stereotypical North American uh, Caucasian hunter. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm like, why don't I see any guys like me? out there? <laughs> Right. <laughs> You know, and so, um, yeah, so I started, you know, started an IG page, um, kind of to figure out, you know, what I didn't know and to try and build out a network and, and tap into the knowledge of those people that are out there, but then also bring a perspective, um, that I don't see widely represented in, in the market. And so that's kind of where I'm at today is doing a lot of research, um, trying to build out that network, trying to figure out who else is out there like me, trying to just get their feet on the ground as a hunter, as an adult with disposable income and uh, the support of family <laughs> and, and trying to get that, uh, get that ball rolling. Right now that's that I hate the adult onset thing. So I've been hunting. I'm, you know, I'm pushing, I'm pushing some years. Um, I'm not going to keep mentioning my age on this thing, but so I've, I've been at it for right around 20 years now. And I hear that adult onset thing and it kind of takes me back to that. Um, and, and it, it is kind of aggravating when you hear it. I mean, I get it, right? But not everyone that hunts came from that tradition of hunting. And there's some phenomenal hunters that didn't grow up doing it. I mean, you just jump into it and it, and it pulls you in head first. I don't care what you do, right? Feet first is a is an understatement. You're going into this head first. Um, I don't care what level you're on. So yeah, that adult onset right. thing, man, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah no, I, I hear you. I, it's not, I'm looking for a better term. So if you come up with it, you know, I, I pay attention to the podcast. So if I hear something I like, I'm going to adopt it quickly. Yeah. Hunter. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hunter. Right. Hunter, yeah. right? yeah. That, that's I, the term. I mean, and, and it spans every demographic, um, gender and everything. Hunter. <clears throat> that's what it is. A tradition or not. And you know what? The guys that have that tradition. Yeah, they do. They, they may have an advantage in, experience they may have an advantage in uh the experience with family out there and that camaraderie with family but the term is hunter period absolutely right i i can i can roll with that um yeah that just like i said it drives me crazy but anyhow um so how did 2018 season look for you here so 2018 was was a was a big jump forward um i think that's where i really decided you know the hunting lifestyle was something that I was really going to not just try to do in my spare time, but I was going to start adapting my schedule to the seasons and getting out as much as possible. And so, um, did some upland game hunting for the first time and really enjoyed that. I mean, small animals and birds, a wholly different challenge. Um, and so have had a lot of fun with that this year, got some, some small, small game under my belt. Um, went out for deer this year, um, really as a, as a, as part of a camp. And so some buddies, uh, went out with them for the first time and, uh, ate my tag on that, but loved every minute of it. Can't wait to go back. Um, learned a ton as far as, uh, how to get up into the animals. Um, I mean, they're the, the things that they know and the way that they are built to survive is humbling beyond words. Um, 
you know, getting up onto a hill and pushing and pushing and pushing and seeing sign everywhere and feeling like, yeah, this is going to be the sweet spot. And then you see nothing for hours. And it's like, you know, they're there, they're signed everywhere, everywhere, but you don't see a single set of antlers. You don't know, you know, if you're fortunate, if you see a doe skirt through the trees, but, um, can't wait to get back out and do that. And then, uh, Turkey, I, I tried to take a turkey with a bow this year. Um, have a buddy with some property, and he said, "Yeah, come on out." And so um, that was humbling as well. Uh, got onto some birds, you know, first time by myself that I was able to do that. So that was I was thrilled to have that experience. And then um, first shot swung and swung and missed. Uh, second shot actually hit the tom I was aiming at and watched him take off with my arrow in him and uh, tracked his trail over to a tree about 50 yards away, found the arrow on the ground, found a little blood sign, followed the blood sign out for another 50 yards, then it disappeared. And I circled and laid, you know, tracked my grid out for, till there was no, there's just no light left. And uh, that, that was the most disappointing experience just from the standpoint of, I never wanted to leave a wounded animal, you know, getting started. And, and I think, I mean, being a new hunter, that's one of the things that I, early on, I was, you know, hesitant, you know, to, to pull the trigger or to release the arrow. Um, because the idea of, of actually killing something was a lot to deal with. But once I got past that, you know, the idea that I wounded an animal and, and couldn't recover it, um, that shook me, honestly, that shook me a little bit. And so, um, that's where, you know, it encouraged me to double down though on my skills development. Right. Which is, which is pretty important. Now, is that something, is that something you considered in this learning process was the fact that you could lose an animal? Y yes. I mean, okay. everybody, uh, I mean, and I won't say everybody, but I've heard the stories, right? I know that it happens. Um, I think one of the most recent examples, I, I, I was listening to the Hunting Collective and Ben O'Brien talked about, uh, or I read one of his articles about how he lost a deer. And I mean, that's a guy that's been hunting whitetail for, you know, for years. And, and somebody that, you know, I listened to his podcast and like, wow, a ton of experience. I know it's possible. And I was prepared for the possibility, but just always felt like, hey, I'm super cautious. I'm pretty well prepared. I felt like I was you know, well prepared. I take you know, what I believe to be really, um, safe shots. Um, yeah, just, you know, lack of experience maybe. And, or, you know, just my, my ability with a bow, uh, wasn't what I thought it was. Well, you know? Turkey, Turkey too. I mean, to, to just play devil's advocate for you, Turkey are not easy to hunt one, two, you're talking the vitals. I mean, maybe the size of your fist, right. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're putting it and that's a big bird, man. So, yes. you know, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. And turkey, are, and I, they're fun to hunt, but man, they're rough to hunt as well. Yeah, and I've heard arguments for you know against you know the even the idea of of taking a turkey with a bow just because the you know the kill ratios of you know maybe fifty sixty percent. Uh, and I don't know how accurate those numbers are. It's just one of the arguments I've heard, and so. Um, well, you got, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, you got the whole thing too with like the guillotine type broadheads and the turkey specific broadheads. So you're looking right. at, you know, head and neck shots. So were you using something along those lines specific for the turkey or was it just your regular, yeah. you know? 
was he was a uh you know a rage, a rage chisel tip you know um yeah and the yeah you know i did go out afterwards and buy their turkey extreme uh broadheads so i am you know looking to get out there and, and put those to work and see if it does make a difference um so yeah you know again learning learning along the way you know as far as equipment what's going to help maximize my my success out there uh, and not just you know, throwing money at every gadget and piece of gear that, you know, that comes your way. That's <laughs> hard not to do. <laughs> right. You know, you just see that stuff and it's like, all right, well, do I really need to make that investment? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, you know, learning as I go. And, you know, again, with the, you know, with the Instagram you know profile, trying to share those experiences, get feedback from the, from the people that have been kind enough to follow me too and see you know, how I can minimize the misses. Right. Well, that's, I mean, so, I was in Wyoming. I had, and I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I, that post that I put on Instagram this evening was some footage from that hunt. So I'm not going to disclose it, but we'll say I had a beautiful bull bugling right in front of me. Arrowed him, great shot. Um, get on YouTube, type in my name, watch that video, and you'll see. <laughs> we all experience okay. the heartbreak, man. Doesn't matter if it's you know two years in, four years in, or twenty years in. It, it happens. Right. So <laughs> definitely so that, have to look down. Yeah, check that out. It's uh, yeah, it's a heartbreak. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I, I don't talk about it much because I I want this podcast to be about my guest. Um, but yeah, it's, it haunts me daily. I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, let's, I want to dig into that a little bit because I think, I mean, for me, a turkey compared to an elk, especially in, in California, right? Mm -hmm. Because elk experiences, chances are I'm not going to have one here. So if you, in looking back at it, you know, knowing what you know now, I mean, was there, was there anything that you look back and go, man, I probably should have done this or I probably shouldn't have done that. Or was it just luck of the draw, right? It just happened. Okay. So that's a rough one. Um, the shot was good. The shot. Okay. Hindsight is twenty twenty. The shot could have probably been a little bit lower. It was a double lung shot. Um, I had okay. a clearing. I took a shot that it was an ethical shot. Elk are just tough SOBs. Um, the elk booked it. We followed blood. He went down into a drainage, um, or we assumed he went down to a drainage. That's where his blood led us. So we had a choice, follow this trail, um, and keep searching for blood, um, or stop. We, we, what we would do, you know, we went downhill. We, this is the direction he's going. This is where we've seen the blood. And we looked in the wrong area for, you know, a day and a half, almost two days. Um, decided to look for scavengers, you know, magpies and ravens. So we're sitting up on a hillside, saw him coming out the woods about 700 yards from where we were at. He did a big circle, went over there and uh, we found him. Um, unfortunately, someone found him before we did. So I'll leave it at that. So it was a good, it was a lethal shot. Um, but again, in hindsight, I would have probably said that arrow needs to go a little bit lower than it went. Right. But, you know, I didn't expect that, you know, what happened would happen. I, I would have right. never, I would have never had that thought that, that, yeah, the end result was what we found. I expected to find an elk 
that uh, may have been eaten on by some predators or, um, you know, the birds picked the mess out of them. But yeah, what we walked up on was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So nothing that I, outside of thinking or hindsighting myself going, hey, that shot could have been a little bit lower. Maybe he would have fell a little bit sooner, you know. Right. But what do you do on something like that? That one. Yeah. Check that video out and call me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it'll, for sure. it'll piss you off. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, you know, I, I hear those stories and it is. um you know, again, it's, 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 I, I can hear, you know, the, the emotion in your, in your, in your recounting experience and, you know, it, yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, something that, you know, I'm learning, you know, as a hunter, like, you know, I, honestly, I keep it pretty low key. I mean, there's a few friends and family that know what I do. Um, but I was surprised because I was at, you know, at my office, um, doing what I do to, you know, put, you know, pay the bills and, um, before the break, the winter break, and someone asked, you know, what are your plans? And I said, well, you know, I think I'm going to go out and get some quail. And four or five different people that I had no idea were involved in hunting came over and started, you know, <laughs> started having a good conversation about, you know, where they like to go and in their experiences with Upland Game and um, got on to a coworker of mine. She has a, um, a, a GSP breeder that she got their family dog from and she says you know let me know if you want to you know wow. go out you know we'll take you out. so it was that was exciting you know because it you know again wasn't expecting it um but it was funny to see how many people you know you work with them day in day out and you know hunters are lurking in the shadows you know where you just you don't know until you put it out there where you know where your network might be but that's funny right and that so I'm going to say that has something to do with where we live, right? California is very anti a lot of things, but for whatever reason, the hunting just gets kicked in the butt. So right. do you think that that is part of that, you know, lurking in the shadows? Yeah, I think so. I mean, really, I mean, it's interesting because like, you know, my, my, my grandfather hunted, my, my, my father hunted, but they were born in the South, right? I mean, my father was born in uh in the carolinas my dad was born in arkansas they moved out here because my, my grandfather was in the military um and you know he has you know they both have pictures they both had stories but again you know growing up you just don't yeah and i didn't grow up with it like i mean people surf sure you know you want to i mean there's a lot of things that you did outside but that conversation of going hunting. Like I remember, you know, going over to one of my dad's buddy's house and that was my first experience with wild game. That guy had everything. He had moose steaks on the grill. He made uh, sweet and sour teriyaki bear balls, like meatballs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, elk and, and antelope that he shared with us. I mean, it was amazing. I remember that as a kid and it planted a seed with me and that he could go out and find an animal and take you know, the meat from that animal and, and create a meal for your family. And that idea was just super intriguing to me. And so now, you know, having a family of my own, um, talking to a few people, like I have buddies that, that hunt, but again, it's not like, I mean, you don't see, you just don't see, and we have a, like a Bass Pro right in town, you know? I mean, so obviously people are getting out and they're doing this stuff, but where I grew up, the circles that I grew up in and, and the, the associate with, and, um, you know, I see professionally, it's just not a topic that people really seem to congregate around. Well, and there's I think, a lot yeah. of resistance too. I mean, it, 
that's what's odd to me. And I, I'll have the conversation, you know, at work or something and, you know, oh my gosh, you're a hunter, right? For me, I mm-hmm. like it. I, I like when mm-hmm. that conversation comes up because I feel sure. like as a community, we should be speaking up for ourselves, right? And, right. and I'll say, hey, if you got, you know, 20 minutes to have this conversation, let's have it, you know, and I'll, I'll share the experience. I'm not going to tell you, you know, I'm not with, with a non-hunter, I'm not going to share the experience of, you know, rifling a deer or arrowing a deer. I'm going to share the experience, what it took me to get that deer in my pack or get that meat in my freezer. Um, Right. And I think when you have a love for something, um, like hunting and, and use earlier, you said hobby, but it sounded like it's, you know, you're, you're changing it to a way of life, right? When you share exactly. that part of it, man, oh man, you, you actually see the light come on and they're like, Oh, I never considered it like that. So I think right. as hunters, we kind of do ourselves in a, a disservice by not sharing the story like that. Right. You know, talk. And all we do is say, Oh, you know, I killed a deer this weekend, you know, and I'm generalizing <laughs> that statement, but that's how they take it. They don't know what comes along with it. And, and Brandon is, you know, working everything around <laughs> 2018, 2019 hunting plans, right? I mean, it, it, it's it's all that time before it and during it. And then like you said, you saw all that sign, you saw no deer. Well, if they hear that part of the story, then maybe that's gonna open those eyes and we don't have to lurk in the shadows like stealthy ninjas or something. You know, you're, I, th- I absolutely agree. I mean, um, you know, part of the reason why I decided, you know, to, to create my, my Instagram and it was because of the, the imagery, right. I wanted, I, I'm a family guy, you know, I'm, I'm a person of color. I'm, you know, a law abiding, you know, citizen, you know, here in the, on the left coast, you know, with, you know, all the things, the stigmas attached to being a Californian. Um, you know, I'm not some, you know, hooping and hollering, you know, I, I'm, you know, good old boy that, you know, that negative stereotype, whatever, you know, wherever it comes from, that's not who hunters are as a group. Just like any group, there's a, a wide array of people that participate in the activity. Um, and that's what I'm hoping, you know, that I can, you know, say to other new hunters. It's like, you know, there are people that, you know, I think, you know, from every walk of life that if their interest is the outdoors at some point or another, I mean, you acknowledge, hey, I'm an omnivore. You know, I have the teeth. I have the desire to eat certain things. Um, there's a great responsibility that comes with that. And I mean, we're a society of convenience now, right? Where you don't have to. Um, you can leave all that to someone else. But, um, you know, as a hunter, I think a lot of people choose to accept the responsibility, take it onto themselves for, you know, for whatever reason. and to represent, um, you know, hunting. That was, you know, one of the things that was a little intimidating, honestly, in, in getting started with this, you know, being willing to speak up and say, yeah, I enjoy going out and engaging in this activity. And like I said, building, you know, shifting my schedule around to make sure that I, you know, it goes from, you know, with hiking, I can go and hike the same trail only so many times before it's like, okay, I kind of been there and done that. As a hunter, that trail is different every single time. It's a new experience every single time. But that love for the outdoors, I mean, even when I wasn't getting anything, my first couple of years were rough, walking around, looking for stuff, you know, 
going to the to the ranger stations, trying to figure out where the animals were, and then just literally walking trails, listening, um, you know, taking notes. You know, been here talking to locals, trying to figure it all out. Um, you have to love being outside. You have to love more than just wanting to kill something. I mean, it, it just, I can't, I don't give, I can't even com- comprehend someone who says, Oh, you're just bloodthirsty. It's like, that's the first time I held a, a quail in my hand and I felt it take its, its last breath. Man, I was darn near moved to tears because I understood what that meant. I was going to take this, turn it into a meal, but you know, just a few minutes ago, it was, you know, skirting around on the ground, you know, eating manzanita berries or whatever. And that isn't about me, you know, taking its life. It's about the fact that we're all connected to this planet that we live on. And if I don't eat that bird, something else, you know, or a bobcat or who knows, a, you know, an eagle, something else is going to eat it. Um, even if it lives to, you know, just dies of natural causes, you know, it's going to, the ants and, 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 and beetles and other critters are going to get it. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a responsibility that comes with the fact that you carry a weapon of some sort and you, you choose that lifestyle. Um, but let's talk about the positives of it. You know, I mean, there's no recalls on wild deer. No, never seen one. Yeah. You if know, there's I, an no, issue, we're not I, hunting them. Yeah, exactly. And in my, na- I don't know about your neighborhood, man. I see deer on the highway, down the street, hit by cars on the regular. Yeah, not me. I'm and, in, I'm in the Long Beach area, so <laughs> yeah. I'm as urban as you can get it, man. <laughs> yeah. So you know, up here we see it. You know, uh, you know, not five minutes from my house, I can drive down the road and count. You know, and my wife teases me all the time. She's like, "There's one you could have gotten." Nah, you know, I, was like, <laughs> I was about to crack on you. I was about to crack on you with it, but she already got it. So, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, she lets me hear it. You know, she sends me sends me pictures from you know she's at the car wash there's 30 deer in the park or not deer but turkeys in the parking lot or she's at the bank and they're you know on the roof across you know on the building across the way and she's like yep these things are real hard to find why is our freezer (laughs) (laughs) you're driving an hour you could drive two minutes come on man (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I, i agree that the where it comes full circle and and that moment i it's you can't even put it to words, right? You sit down at the table and everybody is sharing in that harvest and they don't have the full experience, but they know that you were away for X amount of days or X amount of hours. But as you watch people eat and enjoy that wild game, you knew, you know exactly what you went through to get to that point. I mean, that is just, it's unbelievable, you know? And then for people to judge that are disconnected, um, with where their food comes from uh, that yeah they i'll have the discussion but it and i shouldn't say that but it almost falls on deaf ears with me if they're not willing to have the discussion but they're gonna go you know have some hot wings or a burger or steak and that sounds kind of cliche but if you if you're gonna do that and you're not willing to at least listen then you know buzz off yeah Totally agree. And I mean, there are those people that, like you said, they're, they're not going to listen no matter what. And that's fine. You know, um, everybody makes choices in the way that they, you know, they experience life, whether, you know, you know, you want to pursue music or art or a career path or whatever it is, somebody's going to have an opinion that, you know, says, no, I don't think you should do this or you should do that. Um, but if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be, open, you know, about, you know, and honest about, you know, your opinion, 
you know, then let's have a conversation. Um, you know, and if you're willing to have a conversation, you know, and, and I get it. Some people just, it never, it will never make sense to them. And that's, that's fine. Um, but me choosing this, it doesn't make me less of a father or less of a husband or uh, a non-contributing, you know, degenerate, you know, as far as right. society is concerned. Right. And I think that's where a lot of that misconception is at, right? And, and, and it goes back to what you're saying, right? You know, the, the negative portrayal, you didn't say those exact words, um, but the negative portrayal of what we do, right? Some of the, uh, the good old boy, you know, type post or pictures and stuff that's out there. I, it doesn't do us any good, but. Right. And, and I think that, I mean, for me personally, that was, there was a turn you know, in, in really deciding to pursue the lifestyle. And it had to deal with some of the more modern representations of, of what the experience is like, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I know people, you know, really seem to circle back to Steve Ranella a lot. Um, but I remember seeing one of his early shows called The Wild Within. And that dude was scavenging around the hills of San Francisco um, and literally picked up like a roadkill raccoon at one point, you know, and, and harvested grains off of, you know, some, some the ground on some part. He, he went over, he's like, this, this stuff's all edible. And that really got my wheels turning. It's like, how many times do I drive down the street and walk past something or, you know, not realize that the thing that, you know, somebody's tearing out as a weed is something that we could be eating. Um, and, you know, again, you know, Sacramento is considered, you know, they, they build the, they, we build ourselves the, the farm to fork capital of the world. And that, I, I, I see what they're trying to do in trying to encourage support for small and local farms. Um, but I think, you know, again, that back to the responsibility of it all, there's a lot of stuff that grows around us that people just don't even take advantage of anymore. And so, Personally, that's where I started digging. I started buying books on foraging, and um, Hank Shaw is based here. I mean, that guy—he's he's a local, and um, his stuff, Hunt Gather Cook. I don't know if people are real that, but um, reading him, I was like, man, there is you know mushrooms and uh, you know dandelions and all these things that people just like, oh, don't touch them. You right. don't, you don't want to do that. Um, but there's so much knowledge that used to be really common. Um, you know, even to the experience of, you know, again, the responsibility, you know, young man used to get on a horse back east somewhere. And if he wanted to make a life for himself, he had to be able to do all those things. Um, and his ability to do so helped him secure a place in society, right? It was, you know, you know, you want a wife? Well, demonstrate that you can take care of yourself. Uh, you want to raise a family? All those things, you, you know, you built a, a home with your hands. And we're removed from that so much. Oh, but, goodness. you know. That ideal is what drove me to take a closer look at how I could reconnect with some of that. And that's, I mean, as far as a reason to get into it, dude, I would say that that's probably one of the, <laughs> that's one of the best reasons I've ever heard. You know, it, it's <laughs> not, it's not driven. That's a purity in, in, in the drive to me, you know? Um, and that's my opinion of it. And somebody may say, I, uh, you know, whatever but that's my opinion right because a lot of what you see is the influence from you know social media or uh marketing things like that uh, right and that's where you see a lot of guys and and we'll get into that stuff but that's where you see a lot of guys as far as i'm concerned that's the cause of their struggle um but that yeah that's that's some purity in that answer man that's awesome 
I would have never, I would have never expected that, that answer is all I got. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's driven me, um, because, you know, the, the last couple of years, I mean, there were some times where it, like I said, it just, it was rough, you know, and, you know, went from my, you know, my wife, you know, teasing me a little bit to teasing me all the time. And, you know, as a, as a husband and as a provider, that hurts. Not, you know, not that sound uh you know like a chauvinist or whatever but you know i take my family the responsibilities towards my family very seriously they are my and um you know i didn't want it to be just hey i spent all this money you know i've got this gear and it just sits in the garage um it was about you know really developing the skill and so even you know you see guys survivalists like dave canterbury um you know that guy you know, he, he was on, on TV a long time ago. And I remember looking at it, I was like, that dude just took a little bit of nothing and made his way <laughs> through a terrible environment, including finding food. And a lot of times those guys, the shows, Bear Grylls and Les Stroud, I was always like, why don't they ever, why don't they ever harvest like an animal? Like to me, that'd be, seem like it'd be a pretty high priority is find something to eat. Um, and so the, that, those, you know, those were the kinds of things that got me thinking. It's like, well, could I do it? You see disasters like what what happened down, you know, with Hurricane Katrina and, you know, no access to, to roads, you know, people being shuttled, you know, stuffed into the Superdome. Like I, I asked myself, what would I do if there's no grocery stores available? There's only so much food in my house. Like, what's the next step? And um, yeah, so, you know, there was a little bit of that desire to be you know, kind of independent in my ability to turn nature into something that, you know, my family would recognize as a meal. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's cool too, because, you know, I love seeing the way that these guys have taken it all the way through the process. Like you said, you know, you see the, the, the hunt, you see them bring it in and, you know, they're, they're processing their, their, their game and then they're cooking it. And it's not just like, Oh, you know, grind it up and, you know, make sausages. They're making some beautiful dishes. And, uh, and, and the, and the, you know, and not just, I say guys generally, but I mean, Women hunters, I mean, have elevated that game. I think their attention to detail and um, they just bring another sensibility to it. And I've appreciated that perspective too, because it's so much deeper when you get both sides of the hunting experience from both sexes, in my opinion. Anyway. Right. No, it's that. Um, and, and that's important. And that's one of the things with the podcast that's important to me um, is to share that side or that perspective of the experience. Right. Because it's no, there's, there's no lesser value to that than what we do. Right. It's the same struggle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same value. It's the same hard work. And at the end of the day, um, I can't even imagine you know, having a backstrap that my wife laid down, you know, that, that has to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, at, you know, that animal does not care where the projectile came from. No, not it's, at all. It's not going to run harder because a, a, a male or female hunter shot at it. It's, it's the same for all of us. So it's a level playing field out there. Exactly. The great equalizer. Mm -hmm. So just, just for future reference, if your wife ever needs uh tag soup recipes so she can stop giving <laughs> you an earful, you know, let me know. I'll connect her and, and my wife. Cause man, I tell you what, I got a lot of good tag soup recipes. Oh man. Yeah. So, that is, that is something I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping like I can just you know, make that part of my past. Um, 
you know, but I know it's going to happen. I mean, you know, every year, you know, how many tags in California get fulfilled? I mean, for deer, the number I want to say is like 30% of hunters, you know, actually harvest their animal or something like here. I don't even know if it's that high. Yeah. Maybe if you, maybe if you tallied them all up together, maybe you're getting up there, but it's, it's pretty low, especially if you're talking, you know, archery. I mean, right. So what would you say your biggest challenges as a new hunter have been thus far? So, um, I mean, initially it was just gearing up, um, trying to, you know, again, I was using my backpacking stuff, my backpacking knowledge, and that was, that was fine. Um, but that didn't help me, you know, as far as like weapon selection, um, you know, picking out a rifle and knowing, you know, what was going to be the best for this environment. And that was another challenge, right? Because this lot of the stuff that I saw was like, you know, Western states hunting. Well, here in California, it's not the wide open prairies of, you know, of, of Montana or, or wherever else you go. Um, the mountains, the trees, I mean, it's all very specific. And so trying to figure out, you know, from a caliber standpoint, like how much is enough? Do I, you know, do I need to go 300 wind mag or, you know, I end up going with a 308. I'm like, you know, it's, Snipers have used it. Hunters have used it. It's been around for a long time. It's relatively inexpensive. So let me, <laughs> let me start there. But just that whole, that whole process, every decision, right? Binoculars, boots, packs, tents, that was pretty intimidating. You go in and you say, I need a scope. And they're like, okay, well, what are you shooting at? You know, what, what rifle are you putting it on? Um, you know, what rings do you want on it? And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't even know. Let me go do some more research and, and, and figure all that stuff out. The hardest part about it is just the fact that these guys that have been doing it for so long, whether they're, you know, in the sport or they're selling the stuff, there's a whole nother lingo that you have to know. <laughs> Actually, right? They, somebody should publish like a, a hunter's dictionary. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so it's new guys can figure out, you know, these, these terms that, you know, you know, are you going glass in? Well, I, 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 I sure. You know, what do I need for that? You know? <laughs> So that was, that was the earliest challenge was just, you know, figuring out how to get my boots on the, on the trail. Um, and then the getting into animals was a huge, huge intimidation, like, you know, figuring out where to go, especially, you know, because when I started things like Onyx and some of these other apps weren't really a thing yet. So, you know, I'm doing my, my research of like, okay, national forest, good. But it's in these zones. It borders up against this private property. Like, you know, can I pull the trigger yet? I mean, I, it was a lot of hesitation. Um, you know, once I finally got out there, and and you know, I was doing it mostly solo. Um, you know, a few few buddies were kind enough to let me go and and scout with them early on, and that was huge. I mean, just being able to see animals in their natural environment. And, you know, how small a deer looks on the side of a hill is absolutely, like, I wasn't ready for that. Um, when you see them up next to your car, <laughs> as you speed past them on the highway here, I mean, they look relatively large, you know, much larger than most animals you see as far as, you know, neighborhoods are concerned. Um, so, yeah, I mean, getting out and being able to spend some time glassing and look, oh, this is where they bed down. And here's what the tracks look like. Here's what you know, their, their scat looks like, and here's where somebody was rubbing, you know, on this limb or whatever. Um, but you know, being able to ask 
you know, guys that are willing to, to actually take the time. And I was like, look, I don't even want to shoot anything. I'm not trying to mess up your hunt. You know, I just want to learn. Um, and that just took humility, you know, and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man, but I, in this, in this area of life, I know nothing. I'm a, you know, I'm a complete babe and I need, I need some help. So, um, that was, that was, you know, that was a big part of it. Learning about the existing traditions and etiquette, you know, how, how to stay out of somebody else's way, um, what to be aware of when you're getting ready to take a shot. So intimidation on, with the animals, what I'm not, I guess I'm not understanding the intimidation factor. So, you know, I think, like I said, it kind of goes back to the fact that you're taking, taking something's life, right? So I grew up in a household where we had animals. Like I grew up in in a suburban area. Um, I rode horses, you know, we, you know, helped out with, you know, feeding, you know, cattle and, and, you know, other livestock. I was raised around them. I knew about the cycle. Um, I wasn't, you know, naive to where my meat was coming from. Uh, but it was always one of those things where I wasn't the one responsible for converting an animal to a meal. And when it would finally came to it, um, you know, that idea of, okay, you know, just reassuring myself, this is what I'm out here for. <laughs> this is, uh, this is the, the whole point of being out here is there's, there's the, the prey and you are the hunter. And, Otherwise, it's just a nature walk with a much heavier than normal pack, right? I mean, adding, <laughs> adding ammo and, and, a, and a rifle and all this stuff. So for me, it was overcoming that idea that you're, you, know, you don't pull the trigger. You don't pull the trigger. You don't kill. Um, but in this case, you know, I did, mentally for me, it was not a matter of, of you know, being a killer, but really uh, embracing the idea that I'm a hunter. And I don't know, whatever psychologically that did for me, um, it made it, made it okay. You know, I'm out here to hunt. I hunt because I want to eat. And if I don't hunt, you know, in this instance, if I don't pull the trigger, I don't release the arrow, then I'm going home empty handed. And I was tired of going home empty handed. Um, so that was, you know, it took, you know, psychologically, it was just a little bit of a mind game that it was okay to do the thing that I was about to do. I got you. Okay. So less about the animal and more about, I hate to use that word about the act, about the active participation in the harvest. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, it was definitely that. And, and, you know, once the animal's down, um, you know, I, I I know, I, I think I've heard other people say it too. It's like, once it, once you go up and you actually touch it, it's like, okay, I, this is now, I have to turn this into meat. Um, and it's quick. I mean, it's a, it's a fast transition. You know, one moment it's standing there, it's breathing. The next moment it's down. And it automatically, like, there's that sense of gratitude, of respect, of um, just the disbelief that you've just been able to accomplish such a significant goal. I mean, it, because it's such a, I mean, every, every type of hunt I've been on, you know, whether it's birds or deer, or, it's, it's hard. Um, you're focused, you know, the terrain, you know, it's not, you know, walking down the sidewalk, it's, it's challenging, you're, you know, your level of fitness has to be at a certain place in order to really, you know, take advantage of whatever, you know, whatever you might be after. Um, but yeah, that, you know, you, when it, when it goes down and you, you get to touch it and it's like, okay, now the work begins. Um, 
but that sense of pride and accomplishing the goal uh, is definitely there, you know? And, um, I think that's, you know, part of what drives it. It's like, okay, I can do this. I can be a productive hunter. I can contribute to, you know, to my family's freezer. Right. And that, and that man, that, and I don't think people get it right. Uh, they don't get that whole picture. Um, but to be able to have that meat and bring it to the table is, yeah, it's indescribable. But what, what always amazes me, and I've been at it a while, and I never lose the reverence for the animal, right? I mean, it, it never, that never dwindles, right? And, and it's so much about how lopsided the chase is, I guess right mm-hmm. just like you were referring yeah. to i mean that's it's a lot of work right and people have a misconception that hey you know dude has a gun he's going to shoot in something right it's not the car wash deer <laughs> right right i mean it's just <laughs> yeah it, it's it's not in our favor by any stretch of the imagination man exactly exactly we are on we're on their turf and they're i mean they're naturally adapted to the environment that they live in, posing it for that reason, right? To maximize their chances of survival. Um, you know, but yeah, it's it a ton of yeah, a ton of respect for each and every animal that I've taken. Um, and even to the point of, you know, like you said, you know, feeling that that breath go out. It's um I got the chills. You know, it's, you said, it's indes- <laughs> yeah, it's indescribable. It is indescribable. It, it really is. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know, and again, some people will never understand that it's not about, it's, it's not even a, it's not excitement because it's, it's dead. It's excitement over the fact that here's something that people have done for eons, generation. And now my family gets to eat. Um, and knowing that you're capable of providing, I mean, at least for me, that's, that's really what it kind of roots down into. And it's very emotional. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I said, if it's a rabbit, if it's a bird, you know, a turkey, it, I don't think it'll ever change. And, and it might even be more amplified, you know, as the game gets bigger, because oh. I'm still uh, trying oh. to fill that deer. Life, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited for you. i'm absolutely excited for you man 2019 come on positive attitude is your year um yeah because and i and i'm yeah it is it is remarkable especially after so long right so you've been at it for what four years now yeah four years oh yeah man wow when that comes full circle i guarantee you whoever's standing next to you is going to see a grown man cry because that that's the only emotion that that it's it's going to be tears of of everything too joy sadness i mean it is just going to pour out man it is just going to pour out but that's awesome i believe that you know you see i've seen a few videos of of that moment captured i i feel like i understand it but i know for me you know to experience it it's going to be its own unique thing oh yeah Um, it's unbelievable and not not to diminish the experience on the quail, the dove, the rabbit, um, but there's just something about, you know, a prey animal, if you will, that, sure. you know, you accomplish that. Now I'm I, now I am filling the freezer, right? We're not sharing yes. a single quail. We're not, yes. you know, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I know that's what happens, right? You go out there, you get your butt kicked, and you got a quail and a dove, and it's like, okay, we're all gonna have a piece of this. <laughs> 
it is uh yeah it's crazy i'm i'm man i'm telling you i'm sitting over here and i got the chills i'm like oof <laughs> um yeah so, I'll, be, I'll definitely be documenting the experience to the best of my ability my fear is is that when i'm actually in the act that i'm going to forget like i'm gonna forget to ask somebody to sit you know if i'm with hey what you know help me capture this like take a picture or something because i want to remember it I'm, you know it's almost like when you're your kids being born or something like you you get through it and it's like wait nobody took any pictures like we don't have any <laughs> any evidence of what just happened um so I'm hoping that I don't do that, but who knows? It, it, you know, and that's hard. I tell people all the time, we'll be talking about a hunt and I'm like, man, I wish there was some way they could jack into this head of mine and pull this out and this out and this deer and this out, you know, just to experience it and, and just to feel the powerful moment. Um, you know, whether it's successful or not, I mean, there's been times where I've blown a stalk you know, archery hunting, but it's still like, man, I did this and this and this, and it just beat me. And, and, oh yeah, man, a jack into those experiences. Oh, that that's technology that I think we, you know, if we can, if we can develop that. Oh yeah. Uh, dude, we're we're sad. You know, <laughs> relive those moments, oh, those feelings, the emotion behind it. That would be incredible. Yeah. Cause I have, I have a couple in particular that man, if, if I can, if I can go back and, and I've tried to sell film for years, like years. And, uh, I always get to the point where I'm like, man, forget this camera. I'm hunting. Right. And, uh, yeah, I wish uh, there's times where it's like, dang it, man, if I would have had that, you know, you tell a guy a story and he'd be like, Oh, BS, you know, that you bullshit. <laughs> and it's like, no, seriously. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. Something else, man. Um, so, so in the learning process, right. When, when I started hunting, it was magazines. There's a few TV shows, but we didn't have this instant downloadable information. And one of the, and I'm making an assumption here, so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the challenges that I see with that instant information is you can get lost in it because there's so much. And also does it take away from being out in the woods? Cause that's how I learned, right? I got a couple of books. I got to, you know, how to, uh, uh, navigate the land, land navigation stuff, read a compass, getting on USGS and pulling, you know, topo maps off and things of that nature or going to, you know, sports chalet. And, uh, they used to have a little cubby with a bunch of drawers and you can find an area with some, with some topos in it. How, how do you think, that media influence has impacted your your game so i i think you know there are definitely some advantages to what we have available now from an information standpoint but i think like you said um at first it was overwhelming not knowing where to look to find the exact thing that i was looking for so you know for instance trying to find where I could get onto Turkey on public land up here in the northern of you know of, Cal of California, um, you know you go to a fishing game website, ton of information there, points out some general areas, but then you know it's still it's still it, for me it was very much a boots on the ground thing, right? I had to go up and figure out okay where are these trailheads at. Where you know what are these sectioned off areas, these campgrounds? Like where does all of this lay? And then seeing it, you know, I can look at a topo, but 
when you're out there actually walking it, it's a, it's a totally different experience. And then actually trying to find, you know, the, the area where the animals like to hang out. That you, there's only one way to do that in, in my experience is to either, you, well, you know, somebody that knows, or you're out there, you know, listening. Yeah. Walking the trails and, and paying attention to the signs. So the, to me, the information gives you nice guidelines. It's nice things to kind of, you know, here's some things that you need to be aware of. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm the kind of, my goal is to be the kind of hunter that, and I've heard other guys on, on your show talk about this, where I like to go the places where I'm not going to bump into a bunch of other people. I want to be up in the back. I want to be in the heart of the place. And it's just, again, one of those things where, because I love backpacking and hiking, it's just naturally there where that's part of the thrill for me is to get into that gnarly country and really push myself. And um, so there is, you know, there isn't really anything online that prepares you for that. Um, That truly reveals the reality of what it's going to be like. You know, going up to elevation and you're sucking wind because you just haven't been up that high. Like, there's not, you know, people can say, oh, it's hard to breathe. But the reality of that you feel like your head's going to explode, you might get a headache, you might get migraines. It, you know, it, it makes everything else sore because you're not getting enough oxygen in your blood. Um, you know, how do you prepare for that? And, um, you know, you can work out in the gym <laughs> if you want to. Right. Doesn't prepare you, know, you for that hillside. Yeah, exactly. Even when I'm walking, you know, walking the trails over here looking for quail, it's, you know, I'm going up to, you know, five, 6,000 feet. And the first couple of times I did it, I could tell I wasn't ready. Um, and so I just had to do it more. There was no way that I had to get out, get up and down that mountain. And that helped me, you know, learn, you know, what I need to know in order to start being successful. Um, but yeah, like you said, getting lost, there's so much information now. And I'm totally, I, I'm a big time data geek. Like I love doing research. I love digging in and understanding the history and the tradition and the why behind things. Mm-hmm. Well, you were answering the, questions was, on podcast. <laughs> you were sending me <laughs> messages going, here's that answer, man. I was like, oh, this is solid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, because I hear, yeah, I hear that, hear that stuff. And it's like I automatically want to know. Like, my my wife says that's one of the things that she loves about me is like I've got this insatiable curiosity about the things that I'm interested in. Um, and you know, to me, there's nothing better than being able to sit down with someone who has the wisdom and who's lived the life, and to be able to glean from that. But in this digital age that we do, you know, all these different things that are available. Um, what I had to decide, you know, early on was like, okay, what kind of hunter do I want to be? And then clear out the stuff that I just like, you know what, I'm just, I'm only going to, you know, pick maybe these two or three things that I'm going to, um, pay attention to right now. You know, initially it was okay. I want to learn how to become a, 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 you know, a, a solid deer hunter. That's still a work in progress. Right. And And it will continue to be. Right. And if I, if I had fixated on that as my only goal, then maybe I would have given up. But in learning about deer hunting, you know, it got me down the path. So, you know, looking at the possibility of hunting a hog in the upcoming season, that's something that I hear is very challenging in California. Um, so doing the research on that stuff, upland game, totally different, you know, different set of circumstances, not having a hunting dog presents its own challenges. So, 
Um, yeah, just digging in and figuring out, okay, what are the things that I need to know so that I can be the best that I can be, the type of hunter that I want to be? And it, and, and just respecting that there are a lot of people out there that do things a certain way that I might not necessarily agree with or um, that I don't have the means to pursue. Uh, you know, so, you know, cutting some of those things out early on um, helped me kind of streamline my approach to, you know, getting in and figuring out, okay, what am I, what do I need in order to get started? Um, because what I didn't want to do is get buried in the idea of getting ready and yeah, and not actually going out and, and doing, you know, getting, getting on the, on the trail. And that was the point of the question too, because a lot of what I see and I, and you probably had a bit of an advantage from the backpacking uh, background, but that's a lot of what I see is guys spend so much time and I'm not trying to sound like an a-hole, but you know, keyboard hunting and sure. not getting in the woods. Um, and I think some of that has to come from deciphering all that information, right? Right. You, yeah. And you said it like, where do I begin? So you, yeah, by setting that, that tone for yourself and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm cutting this off. I'm looking at these three things. This is where I see my path. That's huge, man. And that might be, you know, that might be some maturity in years. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of what I see is guys, you know, they, they get wrapped up in, you know, I hate using social media all the time, but, you know, looking at YouTube or watching this TV show or looking at, you know, Instagram and, and stuff like right. that. And they're, and they're not in the woods. And it's like, dude, you know how you're going to learn is you're going to go get out there and you're going to walk that trail two miles. And then you're just going to make a freaking left and go. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. where you're going to learn the stuff. If you, if you, I think there's value in, and to some extent, I'm glad that this wasn't available when I started hunting because I don't know, for me at least, I don't know that I would appreciate the experience as much, right? There's some value in just getting, you know, for the lack of a better phrase, down and dirty and just sure. going after it, right? Just, yeah. you know, here's my gun, here's my rifle and, right. you know, boots on the ground. So deciphering right. that information, I, I can't even imagine as a new hunter how confusing and intimidating and frustrating that must be. Yeah, it, it's a it's a lot to take in. And I do think there is something to, you know, again, you know, being a little bit older, um, you just know, you know, I mean there are other things that you've done, right. Where you've gone and you've spent a certain amount of money thinking, yeah, this is going to be the setup that I want, you know, whether it's, you know, for your car or your home stereo system or whatever it is. And then you turn around and it's like, man, that guy spent half the money. He's having a lot more fun. Um, you know, or, you know, it looks so much more like what I was trying to accomplish. Like you just can't, you can't worry about the, having the best of everything for every set of circumstances you're going to go out, you're going to have experiences. And over time, you know, you're going to, Oh, you know what? I probably need to look at, you know, better set of binoculars, you know, but the way I look at it is that people have been doing this since before Gore-Tex, since before carbon fiber, since before, you know, LEDs and all this, like all this stuff that we have that's super high tech and, and lightweight and super strong. Like people were going out in buckskins or the ball and musket or a bow and arrow and Hell getting yeah. it done. 
There you go, right? buddy. Heck yeah. Those there guys, you go. <laughs> yeah. Those, they didn't have scent blockers and they didn't have, you know, all this stuff. I mean, they just went out there. They learned about the land. They learned about their prey and they looked for opportunities. And, and they got just, after it. Yep. Yeah. You can't replace that. That, yeah. that teaches you so much more than you're ever going to find online. I almost want you to repeat that entire statement again because, man, that was powerful. <laughs> but but realistically, I mean, that is that is the perfect assessment or analogy of that. Right. And I right. and I'll admit, dude, I'm a gear junkie. Like I am an absolute gear freak. I'm like, oh, that's you know, I got to check that out. Me. You know, I yeah. can't I can't help myself. And in the last couple of years because I'm venturing out of state, I'm like, okay, I got to slow down on all this damn gear so I can finance the out of state trips. Right. And, and you know, if I, if I turn around 180 and I look behind me, I got uh one, two, three, I got three shelves here. Right. I'm, and this is in my garage, um, in a little corner, um, where I'm sitting and I got the entire garage from side to side and there's Rubbermaid bins, man. And I'm going to say probably 70% of them are hunting gear and I've, yeah. I've started to give it away. You know, I'm like, Hey, Oh, you need this gear? Here you go. You know, cause you can get wrapped up in it, man. You can get wrapped up, but that was perfect. Perfect. I'm going to check myself with that now. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, kind of one of the goals that I'm looking for too in, in, in being online, you know, and, and, and being a voice is that, there are those new hunters that are like, I just don't even know what to, what to get started with. And there are dudes with boxes and crates and tubs of stuff that they haven't touched in 10 years, 15 yeah. years. <laughs> yep. You're, right? you're talking to them. <laughs> yeah. And so is it, you know, what would it take for us to, to, you know, I mean, in Craigslist, you know, you can only do so much. Um, and it's not always, you know, I mean, some shady stuff that goes on when you, you get out there and you look at some things like, well, that's, that's what you meant by, uh, by restored, huh? No, I mean, <laughs> so, you know, can we, can we help new hunters, you know, get, you know, get out onto the trail with, you know, decent gear might not be the top of the line best of, you know, but it's respectable. You know, the, the bow that you had 10 years ago that you haven't touched in a while is still going to be a lot better than a lot of the stuff that, you know, somebody starting out might, might get their hands on. Right. I mean, top of the line bow from five years ago is still going to be a lot better than, you know, some of the stuff that they're going to try and go and find on their, on their own. So can we get to make those connections and get people who are looking to get started, you know, not necessarily not giving stuff away all the time, but you know, if somebody's in need and they, and they're not sure what to do, you know, can we create a forum that says, you know, yeah, here's a guy I know that's been doing this for a long time. You probably want to talk to him. You, you know, if he, if he doesn't have something, you might know somebody who does, or can point you on in the right direction. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, and again, back to here I go back to the, the marketing play of it all. I mean, it's fed to us, man, day in and day out. You gotta have this Oh, you, you know, you can't go into the woods without this, you know, without this bow or without this rifle. And you know, you're, you know, $1,500 into a bow and now you got to accessorize the bow. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm right there. You know, I, I, I mean, this week I, 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 you know, made the commandment, you know, to, to pick up a, a new bow for myself and I'm going through that, that cycle of, okay, where am I jumping in at? Um, you know, what's the difference between a $500 bow and a thousand dollar bow or a $1,500 bow? Um, and how much of a difference is it going to make? And it kind of goes back to, you know, when I was selecting my rifle, you know, I want something, you know, I'm looking for something for gear that's going to get me out there and not break the bank. 
output is going to provide a good experience. It's going to be reliable, right? It doesn't have to be top of the line. So, you know, to your point, how much do you have to ignore in order to find that thing? <laughs> a lot. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. There's a never, I mean, the, the shop that I went to, there are probably seven or eight different manufacturers that they represent. And I'm looking, okay, so what's the difference between a Prime and a Bear and a Matthews and a PSC? And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at them. They all look great. You know, I mean, the, the, the little dinky, you know, recurve that I had when I was a kid is nothing compared to the, the compounds of thing. But, you know, back to my earlier comment, guys were out there with, you know, sticks and strings, basically, compared to what we felt. So as, a, as, a, as an individual, you know, shopping, how do we break it down? How do we, you know, figure out, you know, the stuff that absolutely is, you know, must have? And then look at the a short list of the of the nice to haves and you know, create a package that's that's welcoming. And I think some of the manufacturers are, are doing you know a, an attempt at that and kind of putting everything together in some of these packages. Um, but then you know the only the only thing you can do is go out and shoot it right and, and figure out it's really really going to set you you know in the, in the right direction. But and it goes back to it and and I, I appreciate the fact that that you're going and you're going to the shop and you're actually shooting the bows cuz a lot of guys are like, "Oh man, look at, you know, look at XYZ bow, right? This one's shooting it, this one's shooting it. That's the bow I have to have. Not pick up anything else, not, you know, try anything else. How's this feel in my hand, you know? I, there's no, there's a lot of none of that <laughs> uh, you know they're just I gotta have it and it, and it doesn't make the hunt I got a buddy that I hunt with and uh, he's like dude I'm I've been thinking about getting a new bow and uh, I'm gonna just restring mine and you know put a new sight on it and put a new rest on it and t dial this thing up it's not changing the experience we don't have uh, you know less of a good time because he's out there with an older bow Right, <laughs> you know, it did. It, it right. doesn't change it. It's, it's yeah. crazy. And I was fortunate because of my, my buddy that took me deer hunting, he had an extra bow, and he's like, "Hey, just play with it. Like, here you go. You know, go shoot it, and, and you know, see what you, you know, what do you like about it? What?" And it gave me you know, a frame of reference, some context, so I could compare. And um, you know, it was a little bit older bow, but it was still in great shape, and I had a blast. Like shooting that thing was so much fun. That I'm like, yeah, I got to get my own. Like I got to get, you know, I got to go find, you know, the thing that is, you know, that I'm going to carry for the next 10 years. And maybe, you know, it, hopefully, you know, hand it down to my son when he's ready, give me a reason to upgrade. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it, uh, there's nothing that replicates the act of, um, when it comes to so whether it's, you know, shooting a rifle or a, a bow or fishing or whatever it is until you actually have, you know, the experience, you're just not going to have anything to compare against. And, and there's nothing more important than being out there. And like I said, I'm a gear junkie, but if somebody said, you know, the only way you're going to get out in the woods is using this, you know, 20 year old bow, guess what I'm doing? I'm, yeah, pulling, absolutely. I'm pulling back on that old son of a gun. <laughs> there's, there's no way, you know, I mean, it makes it, it, to a point, right, when you look at, like, the tech camouflage and and uh, oh, yeah. gear like that, um, you can't beat a good pair of boots, right? So I'm yeah. going to spend as much money as I can, as my wife will allow me most times, <laughs> <laughs> on, on boots. Um, and then when it comes to being comfortable, I really appreciate, you know, the, the Sitkas and the Kuyus um, 
and those gear because you, it does right. extend that time. You know, it's a lot better than the cotton stuff I was wearing 20 years ago. <clears throat> um, that stuff I appreciate, but you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make the experience any less, especially if, when it comes full circle, man, there's just a yeah. lot of emphasis on that stuff. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Camo is another one of those areas where getting started, I'm like, you know, what is my, I was going out, you know, like looking at the trees, like where are going to be, you know, is this the right color? I mean, I wish somebody had just said, you know, find something that's comfortable, you know, whatever's going to help you stay out on the trails as long as possible. Is that at the end of the day, that's, I mean, if you're not out there, you're not going to hit anything. Right. Um, and there's guys right now, there's kind of a push from a handful of guys that are like, dude, I don't need this hype camo. Right. I'm going right. out here in a flannel, I'm Fred Bear yep. style. Right. I'm going out here Fred Bear style and I'm laying them down. And they are successful. Some of them uh, more than most, you know, with with none of that stuff. So. Yeah, we, we put a heck of an emphasis on it, man. I'm guilty. I, I'm not going to even BS it. I'm guilty. I'm a, Like I said, I'm a gearhead, and I'll probably, you know, keep sneaking that stuff in the garage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's cool stuff. I mean, they, they tap into that that thing, whatever it is inside of us that, that says, you know what? When you look at this picture of you on your hunt, and the only reason you can tell you're there is because you can see the weapon you're holding, like that tells a strong story for why camo, right? But is that really more about us or more about the animal? Like, you know, <laughs> you know, the animal does, again, doesn't care where the projectile came from or what you look like when you sent it. Uh, but in the, you know, in our, in our own minds, like when I'm out there, I want to look and feel cool for whatever reason, you know, whatever that means to each person you know, if it's the guy putting on the flap hat and the red and black lumberjack, cool. Like if that's how he gets down, you know, and he keeps him out there and, and, you know, has a great experience. Great. If it's a, it's a $400, $500, uh, you know, moisture wicking, you know, camo, you know, set up, whatever it is. Um, you know, but yeah, it was definitely getting started. I was like, Oh man, do I have the right clothes for this? Um, and it, you know, <laughs> camo was a big, and, and I mean, I've seen some of these manufacturers now that are going kind of neutral, like grays and browns, just break up like big blocks, um, stone glacier. And I think some of the Kuyu stuff, I mean, it, I was looking at it, it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Like when you're looking at fading light, either first thing in the morning or, or later on in the day, and you see those colors out there on the landscape, it, it's hard to spot, man. So you know, there's something to that science, I think, but it's all there. Oh, there definitely is. I mean, that that's what I was saying, right? Is that is that technical stuff is is so advanced um, that it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. It'll it'll blow. I actually was uh, I took a, a friend out hunting this year, and there's a picture, and we're sitting up against the bush, and the way the light is coming through the bush, and I'm sitting there, and I have my my full mask on. And uh, I'm like, wow, this stuff, I mean, it really, it really stood out, right? It was like, this is exactly why I chose this brand. You know, this is, this is what I believe in. And, and that's one thing I will say, I'm going to qualify my gear junkie. I will not, I will not buy something just to buy it, right? I, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to look at it. Um, and, and does it work for me? Is this the best for me? So I'm not just going out and just going, hey, you know. 500 here, 200 there, 100 there. Um, 
not to say that I haven't done that, but like right right now, I got a uh, I got an obsession, man, with Phelps game calls, dude. So every time every time they drop something, I'm like, oh, order it. <laughs> I can't wow. help myself. Well, I'm on the, you know, on that elk kick, and uh, and I'm not yes. gonna call it a kick. I mean, that you want to talk about something? Uh, it's next level. It's it's unlike anything what? I've ever experienced. Yeah, I hear it gets in your blood, and it's one of those oh, things man. that you, you can't turn off, right? Oh no, dude! I I I've been back from I was in Wyoming. Uh, that was the twenty second of September, and it, I I don't want it, my wife to hear me. She's gonna hear it at some point. But in the morning when I wake up, I'm like elk, <laughs> <laughs> elk. It is yeah, it is unbelievable. But you know, anyhow, back to that gear thing. I, yeah, I'm not just buying it. You know, I feel like for me, it's the best fit on the other side of that. There are purchases that you make and you get out into the woods. And that's one of the things that's really hard is you go and you go, oh, man, this looks great. I think this is going to work. You know, you get online. All these reviews are phenomenal. This looks like it's going to work for my situation. You buy it and you get two uses out of it and you go, this thing sucks. And you're five, six hundred dollars in the hole on a pack or something. And it's miserable, you know. Yeah. and, And unfortunately, I mean. The, the positive reviews are great, but I think a lot of times we, the, the negative stuff that, you know, it's just, you, you won't know until you have the individual experience. You know, you, somebody who, you, you know, like myself, I just, I, I just bought a new pack largely because I wanted something that was waterproof. And, um, you know, I've, I've had friends ask me already, they're like, how is it? And I'm like, so far it's been awesome. Right. I mean, I've worn it on a few, few, you know, few trips and, um, not super heavy, not packing anything big out, but as far as comfort and all those things, great. Next year, you know, hopefully I'm telling the story of, of, you know, my first deer and you know, what will I, will I feel the same way then? I don't know. But, but in the meantime, I've dropped some coin, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's no way around that. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, I tell you what, man, I saw the pack you got and it, it looks advanced, but in, in my opinion, um, I, I run Mystery Ranch. I've gone through several uh, brands when it comes to packs. And, and I'm right now, at this juncture in my hunting career, man, I am in love with Mystery Ranch backpacks. I mean, they are, they're amazing, dude. I mean, the, the weight transfer, um, there's a couple things on them that are like, eh, as far as accessibility, getting into the pack. Um, but, you know, packing an animal out, uh, it's amazing. I, I, I just look, it's just comfortable. You know, I, I put a whole deer in it this year and was able to one pack it out up some pretty steep uh, terrain. And man, those mystery ranch are just, yeah, they're great packs. See, and, and that's, that's the thing I think, you know, in as an industry, right. As a multi-billion dollar industry, those are the kinds of things where we, I think, you know, in the next couple of years, we're going to see some innovation of stuff that hasn't been really utilized before. But companies like that, that know what they're doing and they, you know, they build the product because they use and know what it takes in order for it to enhance your experience. Like, I'm really curious to see how many of the companies that exist today are going to, you know, consolidate or disappear altogether just because there's so much on the market already. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Unless you have something that's truly unique. Um, you know, I mean, you, you just, there's so much, like how many different brands of arrows could we possibly need? Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. there's, I mean, there's so many, um, packs, you know, same thing, boots. That's what I'm in the market for boots now. So 
my, my hikers have kind of gotten to the, to the, the end of life. And I've started doing my research and there's like so many different brands of boots. And it's like, all right, so we'll do yeah. $200 or $800. Like where am I going to fall in? And I have flat feet. So for me, some guy who loves his crispies, I mean, is that going to be a good fit for me? Like I won't know until I actually get under a load and I'm climbing up the hill and it's the third or fourth day on a mountain and I'm tired and it sucks. And I'm like, but my feet are okay. Because I think like you, that's something that I, I will spend money on because good feet is uh, worth a billion dollars in my opinion. Oh yeah, dude, that'll, that'll make or break your hunt. I mean, if, you're, if your yeah. feet are aching, yeah, you're done. Yeah, you that are done. those are the two things that I look for. <laughs> if, I, if I can stay dry and I can, you know, my feet are good, then I can, I can embrace a lot of suck. Yeah. So, so I'm in the market for new boots this year too. Right. And, and I've been looking at crispies a lot. Um, but then also the Lanthrop and sons and, and, and I don't know that crispy doesn't offer it, but I know with the Lanthrop and sons, they actually do a, a print. You, they send you a, a basically a carbon sheet and you step on it and they actually fit or make the insole, um, for your foot. So the footbed of the boot is made for your model that is created. Okay. Um, so that okay. might not be a, a bad look. They're expensive though. I mean, when you start looking at the Krispies and, and the Lanthrops, I mean, you're talking, you know, three, four, $500, but that might be something that you look at. I've never used them. Um, so I can't, you know, I can't say one way or another um, on either side of them, but everybody that I know that runs Krispies, love them. Absolutely love them. So uh, I'm taking Yeah. Lanthrop and sense. I'm going to, I'm definitely taking note on that because yeah. Um, it's for me, I mean, living, I, I've, I've had, you know, this flat feet thing my whole life. So, um, what it does is when you're under a load, it forces like your, your knees and your, and your back really can get bent out of shape if you don't have the right boots on. And so it's super important for me personally. Um, so anytime I can find, you know, something that offers a customized footbed, um, yeah, big deal. It's worth yeah, so yeah, thanks for that. A, yeah, take that a look cool. at them, man. Lanthrop and Sons, I'm sending business your way. Hook the podcast up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that, you know, that that is a lot of info. So where what are you leaning for or leaning towards on the camel in? What are you looking at? Where'd you end so up with? It's for me, it I mean, um, you know, I have started out with some real tree, um, the the Under Armour stuff. Um it's you know, it's been, it's easily available. It's not, you know, necessarily the least expensive, but for the terrain up here, it's just got a nice breakup, um, that throughout the year I can kind of wear it universally. Um, so not having, you know, a closet full of camo, that's been one that's been real easy for me to do. And then I just, um, just bought the new stone glacier to Haviland pant, um, just from a, Again, it's the technical, like the geek junkie in me, like the stuff that is built into this pair of pants, the way that they've designed it from the construction, from the convenience, from the, uh, the idea that you're going to be, you know, you want a flat waistband when you're under a pack, you don't want to worry about a belt. There's different things as far as the zippers, um, you know, the way that they're constructed and the venting, like this pair of pants, and I'm actually wearing them right now. They're, they're so comfortable. Um, I, I'm easily going to buy probably a second or third pair of them. Um, 
but they're a you know they're they're a great color scheme. And as far as I know, Stone Glacier doesn't have a plan to to go with a you know a, a, a camo pattern. Um, so again, just trying to take advantage of that neutral uh, neutral presence. You know, as far as the lights. But, um, you know, I don't know, you know, it's all new to me. So I'm just trying this stuff out. But yeah. Uh, the, the real tree, um, going with that for now and, um, trying out some of this gray breakup and we'll see, see what, you know, how it well, turns out. Right. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if there's a wrong way to go when it comes to camo, man. That, I think that when you start getting into what, you know, again, what appeals to your eye is, is what it ultimately works out to, um, and then I like some of the layering systems like with QU and, and Sitka. Um, it's, yeah. it's just very well thought out, you know. Um, the time and, and R&D that they're putting into this stuff is just uh, is just next level when it comes to gear. Oh, yeah. And that is one area I, I think has come a long way from, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, the ability to peel off layers and add layers changes the game, especially because when you're in a pack, you want things that compress down real well, but retain their loft when you pull them out and you're trying to get warm, right? So, you know, the, 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 again, the technology they built into that stuff, it is incredible. And um, to me, those features are almost more important than the, the you know, the camo pattern itself. Yeah, definitely, definitely is, definitely. Um, so... Going out and DIYing, right, as a new hunter is a, is a hell of an undertaking. Yeah. Is there, do you feel like you've been at a disadvantage doing that? Would you rather have had someone kind of mentor you along the way? Or do you feel like you'll be ahead of the game from that DIY experience um, going in, you know, 100%? Well, not 100%, but most of the time solo. Yeah. So I think the advantage to DIYing is just building that, that foundation of self-reliance. But at the same time, you know, like I said, I'm 42, right? And so it would have been, it would have been, there's a, there's a certain advantage to having an animal down early on in your experience. My, you know, viable hunting years are relatively limited. I mean, you're saying you're 20 years in. 20 years in puts me at 62. You know, what is, you know, how many animals, you know, how many experiences, how many trips will I have been able to take in the next 20 years? Um, and so I think that's the, the only regret I have about not having a mentor earlier on in my, in my, you know, in my learning curve. Um, but there is something that I took from, you know, going out and being on the trail by myself, you know, packing in, packing out, you know, you know, just being kind of, um, open to whatever came my way and building a knowledge base around, you know, recognizing sign, like paying attention, listening, being silent for extended periods of time. I mean, that's still one of my favorite things to do is just be out on the trail, not talking to anybody for hours and just like in your own head where every little crackle or bird call or hearing snow drop, you know, off of a tree branch, like it all means something. And, um, you know, not having somebody there with you, you know, kind of in your ear, like, look at this, check this out. Um, both have been, it's been nice to have both, both experiences, but early on to have some success would have been nice to have a longer hunting career would have been great, but I can't change that. And so I, 
we think that there's a ton of value that comes out of going out and being out there on your own. And, you know, again, it goes back to my example of the, of, you know, being, you know, you know, heading out on a horse from, from back East and, you know, back in the 18th, 1800s or whatever, and, and trying to make your way like that in my, in my heart, like, I think there's a little bit of that, you know, that a cowboy spirit, that spirit that appeals to me, like the idea of being out there, like getting caught in the rain. And did you bring the right layers? Did you bring your rain fly or whatever for your tent? And, you know, knowing that that's not going to kill you, like, there's something, there's a sense of pride that comes from being able to do that stuff. I'm telling you, man, that perspective, that, again, that's that's huge, man. I, I think you have you have an advantage over most that are getting started just from that point of view, you know, because um, it's challenging. But to be able to say, hey, they were doing this, you know, 150 years ago with none right. of this, with none of right. this, you know. So to have that mindset, man, that's awesome. And, and, that, and that actually... That helps. I mean, that that helps even a guy like me, right? And I'm not saying that I'm the best hunter, right? I don't go out every season and and lay something down. I struggle, but that perspective, just to just to hear that, man, that's yeah, that's huge. That's a big deal. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that. You know, that deep. You know, hunting tradition as far as you know my my family's personal experiences. But you know, like I said, I I love the research. I love hearing from the old timers and. Um, you know, knowing that that's out there, like you can still learn from those examples. I mean, you, you hear about these guys, you know, I, you know, I mean, here in California where I'm at, you drive up the highway and you know, an hour, hour, 20 minutes, and you're at the site of the Donner party and you're looking around at the terrain that's there, the mountains, the rocks, the trees. And it's like, these dudes were bringing their families in covered wagons in the winter, trying to make a better life for themselves. Right. And that's not a great example because so many of them died. Uh, yeah, yeah. But they thought it was possible. Like they thought we can pack up our families and make it in California. We just have to get over the Sierra. So we've got, you know, we've got the setup. We've got the know-how. We're going to go do that. And then to contrast, you hear these stories of people who get caught in a blizzard in their car and, you know, set out and end up dead, you know, five minutes from civilization, right? I mean, where there would be a town or help or you know, water or something that could have kept them alive. Um, you know, we, I think, you know, we need to be careful as, you know, we consider ourselves civilized that we don't let convenience take that, that spirit out of us, that, that willingness to, you know, embrace a, a tough situation and turn it into an opportunity to, you know, to beat the odds and, and to do something that's hard and, um, you know, come out the other side, a better person for it. It's too late, wouldn't you say? <laughs> With that statement, I mean it. I hear you, but I would almost say it's too late. We're uh, less our community, uh, and a few other things. It, it's well past that. I so I, I hear what you're saying, and the I think I have hope. I'm optimistic because I do see like there are certain elements of of society where people are kind of yearning for things that are hard again, right? You see these, these young dudes, you like blacksmithing and, you know, doing things, you know, making knives or, um, you know, going out with a, with a, you know, an old school, you know, ball musket or whatever. Like, I think there is, 
there's still like that desire, um, at least it, to some extent. It's not the majority by any means. But people have a respect for like handcrafted stuff, you know, that the, the, even, you know, things that like going to a bartender who really knows what he's doing. That's not easy to do. And as things become more convenient, it's, you know, I, I, I'm of the opinion that those things that are like an art in some way, um, that's a purely human thing, our ability to do that. Um, there's a soul to that. There's an essence to it that, you know, I mean, we're a long way from, from machines or computers being able to do those things. And then, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're trying in some corner of, of the world. But um, to me, I think as long as I see people trying to do things that are hard, like picking the hard way to do it, uh, because there's something beautiful about it, um, I think there's still hope. <laughs> well, okay. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that there's still hope. Okay, you know? so I'm going to challenge that a little bit. Now, yeah. now, and I'm being very general, right? But hunting as a community, fishing as a community, um, it's out there, right? We see it. I don't think that there's a lack of people that enjoy those things, experiences, blacksmithing, things like that. I just think that it is in front of us more because of social media, right? We can, we can open it up and type in blacksmithing and see, you know, X amount of guys that are interested in blacksmithing on, on whatever platform. So do you think that has something to do with feeling like, you know, or being hopeful? Cause when I look at it, I go, man, you know, I look around in a lot of places and it's like, dude, this is hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I see where you're coming from. You know what I mean? It, it, and I don't want to yeah. sound negative, right? No. But it, it just, I just don't see, and, I, and I'm not using it in that way, but I am, tradition, those those traditional type lifestyles, um, I, I just don't see that stuff gaining enough to pull us back from our current state. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think, I mean, the majority is it's continuing to, it's going to continue to slide down that path of convenience and what's, you know, instant gratification. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, being, being a little bit older there, you know, things that, you know, I tell my kids today, um, you know, back in our day, we give them those stories, but at the same time, you know, my son especially is expressed appreciation because, you know, I mean, he's, he's about to turn 16. He doesn't have a smartphone, right? My, my boy has a flip phone with you no know, data plan, right? So when he got it, you know, his friends gave him a hard time. We told him, hey, it's a communication device. You can talk to us, you can text, but you're going to understand what it takes. You know, I'm not just going to throw a thousand dollar phone in your hand. Um, so I think it's on, you know, on people like us to, you know, to instill you know, the qualities that we want our kids to have, like, even though it's outside of what they might see from the majority and my son expressed appreciation, like he embraces it. Now he knows his phone is retro and he takes pride in the fact that when he sits down at a table with his buddies and they're at a restaurant and they're, you know, they've been at the river and so they don't have their phones with them. He, he can have a conversation and keep people entertained, like socially. It's not an situation for him where, a lot of his friends kind of, you know, they, they freak out a little bit. They're like, they don't know how to interact with each other. And so um, as parents, you know, things like hunting, where my goal really, like, if it weren't for Onyx, 
I probably wouldn't carry my phone. Onyx in my camera, like being able to take take a photograph of a great sunset or you know of a moment. Otherwise, you know, my phone's on airplane mode all the whole time that I'm out, and it's you know that that ability to disconnect and and to wait for moments to happen instead of you know needing everything right away. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's up to us, right? If we're gonna make make a change, make an impact, we got to teach our kids and. You know, I think it's going to continue to slide, though. I, yeah, people love convenience. We love convenience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and like I said, I'm not trying to sound negative, but it, it really is. It's a scary state of things when you look back. Um, it's scary, man. When when we were kids, we're about the same age. We didn't have none of this stuff. I mean, uh, my connection with television was Saturday mornings, right? Getting up and watching <laughs> yeah. cartoons. And what did yeah. that last? All mate, you know, you, you got up, you watched some cartoons, you did your chores, and then you're out on the bike and you know oh, at yeah. the park and doing all that kind of stuff. And now it's just like, man, you go anywhere and it's like you know blue on the face. That's all you see is the blue light just glowing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is different. I know. And it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, right? I mean, you're right. When I was a kid, you couldn't keep me in the house. No, no, we didn't want to be in there. Oh, I couldn't. It was torture. Like you you had to sit, you know, sit and be inside and, you know, be quiet and play nice. Like even after we got a Nintendo, right? You were back in the first, the first NES system came out. Um, That was a big, big deal. But I mean, after an hour, yeah, I was like, man, yeah, got to get outside. You know, there's basketball to play, there's swimming, there's, you know, ride my bike, whatever. Um, so, you know, we've tried to, sh- you know, share that with our kids too. Um, but it's different. You know, it is different. I mean, they've never known a world without the internet, which is just amazing. And that sense of whatever you can think of at any given moment, you can get online and find some content that fills that, that curiosity, right? So how do you pull them away from yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they're living. Uh, damn, I sound old when I say it like that. <laughs> but they're living through that device. It, it, yes. It's crazy. It just, you know, it, it, there's just no as much as much, you know, uh, I don't even know the word to use for it. It's just lackluster. Ultimately, you know, there's yeah. no experience through that phone. It's crazy, man. The value that that is has been placed on that. It's and I would insane. say, I mean, that's that as parents, like, I think we have to have the fortitude, you know, and and to suffer, you know, the, the wrath that, that might occur to, you know, just say, hey, put it down, you know, and 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 that's why I love. I mean, that's why I'm a big advocate. Like, get your kids outside, get them onto the trail, get them out on, you know, into a into a, a boat or a camper, whatever it takes, but go somewhere where cell service is not an option. Like if you can do that, you know, I mean, my, my son's first experience, he cried. We were six mile hike in the desolation wilderness. Two miles in, he's 12 years old. He's got his pack. He's bawling. And my heart is breaking. I am, I, I didn't think I was going to cry. I was about to cry because he was crying so hard. But the look on his face when we got to our campground, we, we pitched our tent. He jumped into the into the pond that was there, swam around for a bit, seeing the stars out at that. He loved, loved it. it. Yep. Absolutely loved it. And I didn't think he would ever go back, right? Because the hike out was just like the hike in. Dude's two miles in, starts, oh, this is this hurts. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm like, yeah, but dude, nobody's coming to get us. Like it's we gotta get back to the truck. <laughs> There's no other option. Right. And 
the next year, I asked him, hey, you know, we're planning another trip. Are you down? And he absolutely, yeah, couldn't wait to go. So yeah, we have to, you know, we have to be strong enough as, as, as parents and, and just say, hey, we're doing this. We're, you know, even at home, we tell our kids, hey, shut it down. You know, my wife has an app that shuts off the Wi-Fi for specific devices in the house. So they, yeah, they hate it, but they don't have any options. You know, I pick up a book. You know, talk to each other. We're gonna we're gonna break up the cycle a little bit. And that's a, I mean that that really is, and it's a challenge, right? As a parent to do that. Oh, absolutely. Right, because it it does it does affect us, right? It's nothing that we're doing, you know, to be mean. It, it's something that we feel is going to benefit our children, and it's hard to freaking do it. You know, we know it's going to drive them crazy. We had it wasn't too long ago. Um, we had a power outage and I was sitting on the couch and I had lit the candles and I'm sitting there and I got my feet up and I'm looking and, uh, I got some mounts on the wall and I'm like, look at how the candles just reflecting, you know, the shadow and flickering. And I was just loving it. And then I started laughing to myself and I said, wait until they can't charge those damn phones. <laughs> wait until they can't charge them, man. And I was just like, wow. You know, they came in there like, where's the power? And I'm like, Oh, you know, we're down. So, but uh, I hear you, man. It is important. And it, 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 it's a fight. I mean, we're, we are constantly fighting it, you know, just, you know, not just the phones, it's all the outside influence and, you know, the friends and, you know, it's, it's, a, Oh yeah. It's a battle. Friends is a big yeah. But nothing better than that outdoor therapy, man. I, I think just getting him out there and, and him having that experience and that time with you, um, that's stuff that he'll never forget. You know, when he's, you know, when he's 42, he's going to look at that and, you know, do the same thing and go, man, let's, you know, let's go hit that backpack. Let me take you where your grandpa took me. Uh, that's a big deal, man. I appreciate that's the goal. That's I'm hoping to plant, plant those seeds and an appreciation. You know, like we were saying earlier with our kids, like maybe it's not the thing that they decide to do by themselves right now. But at some point in the future. Oh, yeah. You know, for sure. They you, come you, to that point. Where, you know yeah, they, with Get that experience yep with that experience that outdoor experience man it, that stuff doesn't leave you it, it doesn't it never goes away it can't right if you especially like where i live you know we're in the city you look up here you you're lucky to see a couple stars you know and you get out there, man, and you're looking up and they're awestruck by, you know, the million little twinkles they're seeing above them is just, yeah, that's never leaving them, man. So what do we have coming up? Um, what are you planning for 2019 for your hunts? Yeah, so uh, 2019, looking forward to March, obviously, spring turkey. Um, that is uh, archery hunt part two, right? So that's that's the first one. Um Looking at, you know, the President's Day weekend, I'm going to try and get out to the coast and get onto some pigs. Um, so that's going to be a DIY. Um, I'm just doing some research, looking, you know, at some forums online and, and trying to pick a few areas that are about uh, about an hour and a half, two hours from where I, where I live. Um, so that's going to be brand new. First time I've, I've you know, that I'll be attempting uh, hogs. So uh, that's, the, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, honestly, because if nothing else, you know, it's going to be a great experience, another learning experience, uh, what not to do. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a little cooler. Um, but then, yeah, uh, California is still, still after my first deer here. So that's, um, you know, as soon as those tags are available uh, this summer, I'll be after that. And then um, 
I have my 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 good Freddie, my my good friend Perry. Uh, he's uh, he's the guy that took me out deer hunting last year. We're um, talking about the possibility of going out to uh, Wyoming and uh, chasing some speed boats out in Wyoming. So, dude, you want to talk about an experience? You so so that's where I was on my elk hunt, right? And right. Uh, you can't drive down the highway in Wyoming without seeing deer and antelope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is crazy that, I mean, the antelope are, you know, it's like you said, the car wash deer, I, the yes. antelope are, to me, it was everywhere. <laughs> it was, it was nothing shy of remarkable. Um, I'm and big bucks, man, big bucks. And I started seeing them in Utah and, uh, oh, there's the antelope. Oh, there's an antelope. Oh, there's some deer. There's some deer. Man, I got to Wyoming and it was just like mind blowing. You couldn't, I couldn't move without seeing animals. They were everywhere. That should be a pretty fun. You're, you you're setting the bar pretty high. So if I don't find one or I don't chant one now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward you to gonna it. You're going to go rifle or archery on that antelope? Antelope, I'm going rifle. Um, yeah, just uh, upgraded my scope. And um, that, I mean, again, because I haven't had any experience, I'm going to go with the somewhat easier of the two to get started and um, get some bow practice in. I, I'm really excited to get my new bow and uh, and get some get some shots fired on that thing and, and get it tuned in and get comfortable with it because that is the goal, right? I, mean, I never thought I would extend to, to archery, honestly, when I got started. Um, I just thought, you know, rifle's good enough, but I love this so much. I love this pursuit so much. Like anything to extend the season now. Right. Right. That, that, um, way of, that way of life taking over the hobby. Exactly. Exactly. The idea that I can get an extra week of, you know, you know, looking for deer here. I mean, I'm yeah. Great. Let me, you know, a, a hog, I can get a hog with a bow. Great. Let me try it. Like, um, you know, and same thing with Upland game. I, I, that wasn't a part of my original plan. Actually, I had a buddy who's, who said, Hey, you get a shotgun. We'll go get birds. And so I did. And we have yet to go out, right? So um, that's one of those things where I couldn't wait around anymore. And um, yeah, so, you know, it just kind of, it was one more thing though. I was like, okay, well, deer season's over, but I can go for turkey in the fall. Okay. You know, I can go after upland game in the fall. Great. You know, in the winter, let me, let me, yeah, sign me up. So that's kind of been the evolution of my, uh, my, my arsenal as I, (laughs) try and try and extend the season as, as long as possible. What, what tags do you pull here in, in, uh, California? So California, tags? yeah, I've got a deer, um, the upland tags and, and, uh, and a, and a uh, pig tag right now. Well, no, I mean for, for your deer zones, what are you? Oh, so I D D and X typically, um, up in the North. I do have a buddy who lives up, uh, near the, uh, Trinity Alps. So I'm, that's like a, I think it's a B zone, B and X zone up there too. So I'm talking to him about the possibility of going up that far. So, but yeah, D, uh, D three through five is kind of my home area. So how far are you off of a zone? Coming in with off of the what? Uh, of a zone. So a zone is basically like oh. the, the five freeway going towards the coast. And yeah. I think I want to go, I think it extends up just North of Frisco. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think the, the, I, the, the closest a zone is about, I think it's about two hours from where I'm at. 
Because I was going to say, I mean, as far as extending a season, that's probably one of the best seasons you have in terms of length. You have a five five weeks of archery, and then I believe it's it's either three or four weeks of rifle that follow that. And and so you know, if you got on that archery kick and you were like, "Hey, I'm just archery hunting." Um, then you could roll the entire season, but the benefit to it is it starts in June or July and then runs through, sheesh, I want to say that's the end of October or close to, right? So, I mean, you have, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not October. I'm off there. It's September, sometime in September. So you can chase archery for five weeks. And if you don't lay anything down, then you can go out with your rifle for another three or four weeks. I mean, just a suggestion. But if you want to extend the season, I that's the way to go right there. Is, is getting like that A zone tag. All right. Because you know? <laughs> two hours not I mean, two hours for me at least, two hours to drive to a to a hunting zone is oh, nothing. Yeah. No, it's nothing. Yeah. Every yeah, everything that I'm I mean, I'm kind of at a kind of an hour and a half and out. Like that's really at so yeah two hours. I, would, I would definitely yeah. look at that a zone man and it and it's it, a really good tag um there's there's opportunities and animals and you know it's a really good tag uh, yeah thank you for that I'll, I'll definitely be looking into that i would check that one out for sure um so one of the things that's important to me is conservation man um, yes so I call it the conservation quick and I'm trying to get this thing to take hold and, you know, just get the topic talked about at the very least, right? Is it's just, especially with new hunters is at, at least to spawn the thought process. So where, what's your stance on conservation and what are you looking at as far as, you know, trying to do um, as an outdoorsman uh, when it comes to conservation? Yeah. So you know, in getting started, that was one of the things that I was a little overwhelmed by, honestly, um, because there's so many different organizations out there. And so it's like, where, where do you align your energies to? Right. And, um, it's, I, I believe, I mean, conservation to me is just like anything that people, um, pay attention to as part of their, uh, personal, you know, who they are as, as, a, as an individual, as their core beliefs. Growing up, you know, again, backpacking and hiking, it was just kind of a natural thing to want to take care of the trails, take care of the land, take care of, um, to, to, to ensure that the, the experience is going to be available later. And um, I, I believe, you know, I mean, first, you know, for me, it's about, you know, walking the walk from, a, from an immediate impact standpoint. So, you know, kind of a leave no trace kind of, kind of a, thought process. Yeah. So, you know, even to the point of, you know, I've been out, you know, and um, I can't help myself. Like I see spent shells or, you know, garbage or whatever. It's kind of just, you know, if I'm able to, I pack it out. Um, so it starts there for me because when I go out there, I hate seeing that stuff. You know, I, I, I hate seeing the lack of appreciation that um, obviously is, you know, I mean, it's just, again, that, that, feeling of, you know, entitlement or convenience that people seem to have. And, you know, they've had their fun um, and they aren't worried about who's coming after them. So, you know, getting started as a hunter, what it helped me to appreciate is, you know, again, doing the research and understanding some of the challenges that the, um, like the wildlife and, and the fishing game folks are facing. Um, 
you know, the health of, of the animals. I mean, one of the, uh, we talked about the key benefits of, of harvesting your own meat is the idea that it hasn't been exposed to a bunch of, you know, b- you know bad environment or, you know, bad food, or you try to minimize that impact to your, to your dinner table. Um, and so deciding, you know, where to spend your energy and, and who to support. And then you hear of, you know, mismanagement, you know, organizations that have become very popular and as a result have a lot of money at their disposal. And, you know, are you, you know, are your funds being spent, you know, in the right way? And so, um, for me personally, I believe, yeah, I, I think there are a variety of ways to participate in, in being a conservationist. Um, one, you know, that I, that's a, kind of an easy thing, like you were talking about, is just sharing the experience of, of hunting and, and being an outdoors person or a sportsman um, provides an education that puts a personal face to the story and that people who might not otherwise pay attention to it, it gives them some context as to why it's important. Um, you know, the, the simple things are things like, you know, the, the, the license plates that are available, obviously, the bird stamps, that sort of thing. That's kind of a no-brainer. Um, but then, you know, the extra effort, you know, and I know that, you know, the organizations like BHA are out there and, the, you know, Ducks Unlimited, all these different things. So um, personally, you know, I, I think that it's one of those things that like politics and, and like religion, it, you know, if a person's core aligns to certain things, they're going to support it. And um, in the meantime, you know, the, the least we can do is just clean up after ourselves. You know, for, for me, um, you know, I'm still investigating, like, you know, where do I want to spend extra effort? Um, you know, is it a BHA membership? I don't know yet. Um, is it Ducks Unlimited thing? You know, whatever it is. But um, I follow those organizations. I think what they have to say is, is important. And I, you know, ideal, you know, the ideal of what they're trying to accomplish in a lot of ways, um, I understand and, and support. Um, but as far as putting my money where my mouth is, like I haven't made a real strong commitment on that front yet. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not, you know, not um, due to not, you know, just it's, it's about distilling it down to what's most important. Right. Um, well, it has to align. Are, it has to align with your values, right? What you believe. Right, right. But it always and, doesn't uh, come to money. It doesn't have to be the membership. You know, for me, and I and I don't want to put anybody on the spot, and I'm not a, trying to put you on the spot with it. But no. it's just like I said, spawning that thought process or that conversation um, is very important um, to me. And and right. that's how that's one of the ways that I actively participate in it is trying to get that conversation started and get people thinking about it. And, you know, the more people that hear about it, that that's active, right? We're, we're actively doing something by just having a conversation. It's that simple um, to get people to listen and talk and, and start actually doing something to, to support um, our tradition or heritage or however you want to look at it our passion for hunting and the outdoors right so i don't you know i'm not trying to put you on the spot or nothing there it but it doesn't amount to money you know if you're packing packing somebody else's crap out of the woods um it's a start right you're thinking about it it's the i think that's the biggest step in the whole thing is just starting the the thought process right and and that's and i appreciate and i don't feel like i was being put on the spot it is something that i put a lot of thought into you know because as i become more involved and see the impact of 
our activity, you know, and, and I mean, I mean, be honest, right. I mean, there's stuff out there that beer cans they left behind and ATV trails and all these different things. But for me personally, where I'm at is I try and support and, and purchase from organizations that, you know, a portion of the proceeds goes to support those things. Like if I have the choice between buying, you know, a shirt from company A and a shirt from company B, and I know company B gives back to conservation efforts. That's, you know, that's one of the things that I'm where I'm at now in my, in my path. And then the other part is just being educated, understand, you know, Pittman Robertson and, and the taxes and, and, and how that stuff all comes together. Um, you know, it, it's a, you know, a steep learning curve because there's a lot of like a lot out there. It's just, um, it's like, just like the gear. It, it's, it's almost, and you said it, right. People are going, Hey, where's my money going? But yeah, you look at it and it's just like buying gear. Dude, there's so many options and there's so much push for this one or that one. How do you, you, you can't pull that information away and go, okay, bam, bam, here you go. Here's my 40 bucks. Right. Yeah. And, and once you get on the radar, like they all come out of the woodwork, right? I mean, <laughs> you you know oh you donated to so and so but we're just like them but here's our focus and you know so it's you do you have to you know unfortunately you can't give to everybody right um, you can't no nope. but yeah you you know definitely you know being aware of, of the challenges being aware of the fact that our our public land space um, if it's not maintained if it's not protected if it's not taken care of um, it'll go away yeah I mean you know industry will will take it over I mean we see here in California I mean. Being the most populous state in in the in the country, it's only a matter of time. And California is great. I mean, it's beautiful. I, I love it. Um, but I see why you know people in Montana are saying, "Well, no, Montana's terrible. Don't don't come here, right?" right. Because <laughs> they're realizing, you know, what can be had. Um, because you know, and again, they've done a great job. I mean, the, the stuff that I've heard as far as the the wildlife departments in those states, Idaho and Colorado and in different places, um, to maintain that lifestyle, it takes a ton of effort. Um, and so, yeah, for for my where I'm at in my path now, it is it's trying to distill down, you know, kind of where I want to focus my energy and things that I can stand behind and, and believe in. And um, you know, in the meantime, just providing you know the education where I can and awareness and. Um, contributing in some small way by packing out some, but it's contribution that, and that's what is important is, is that it. And, and I, I think we tend to belittle it um, by something, you know, what you just said, my small contribution, but it's a contribution. There's guys that don't even consider it. Right. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't, yeah. Uh, on another note. So I, I sat down with a gentleman by the name of Eric Myrie out of Colorado and he owns a company, uh, named Basin and Bend 11% of every purchase goes from, from his pocket, right? From his pocket, from his bottom line into conservation, man, check him out. Um, the reason that I reached out to him was because I'm just scrolling and I'm looking at gear and you know, his ad came up and I checked it out and I was like, what? 11% who does that? So I started looking at their, uh, the mission statement and everything. I'm like, this is crazy. So I reached out to him because I'm thinking like, you know, okay, he's getting, he's has some brands um, that are contributing and they're giving him this. No, it's, it's off his bottom line, man, at 11%, less his sales stuff. Um, it, it fluctuates there, but yeah, check sure. it out, man. It's basin yeah. and bend. It, it's awesome, dude. 11% is crazy. 
that, that yeah that's that's i mean that's really strong that's yeah. awesome to hear that's a big uh, to me it was a big deal it may, you know people may look you know hear that and say well no there's this company does it too i don't know but i thought it was a pretty big deal nice guy too really nice guy um right on. so good man i appreciate your time we'll wrap it up anything that i missed that you want to you know get out there anything to say to the to the new guys in the woods yeah i mean you know i'm on a, on instagram the hunting student um you know and it is you know i mean it's partially i mean it's my journey but you know like i said i'm trying to help create connections where i can and maybe shorten the learning curve for some of the folks that are are trying to get out there and, and get it done and um you know it's uh, it's not something, you know, like I don't have any giant plans for it right now. It's just about making connections and, um, getting people outside and, and having a good time doing it. And, um, if there's anything I can do to help, you know, people, you know, drop stuff in my DM all the time. Um, you know, I, I love hearing from folks that, you know, are saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. We're kind of the same. It's like, yeah, man, let's get after it. You know? learn you know you drop it on me and, and you know i'll try and do the same but um you know in the meantime if anybody has uh connections or or resources that they want or think you know new hunters should be taking advantage of um always looking for that stuff and i'm you know not shy about saying the stuff that i that i like you know i'm, I'm not you know i'm nobody you know i'm just i'm just a dude up here trying to trying to put a deer in the freezer yeah that's um, it it's all of us yeah the stories and, 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 you know, shortening the learning curve so that people can get out there, see some success and, and have some fun. Good deal, man. Well, we're gonna, we'll definitely have to do this again. Um, let you get out there this season. If you, you know, we have to talk about the pig hunt and, uh, definitely going to hear about that, uh, 2019 deer season, man. So we'll, you know, we'll, we're going to track the progress and get you back on and see how it's going, man. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you having me on guy. You know, like I said, I, yeah, I was surprised, you know, when, when we connected and, you know, the stuff that I've heard on your, on your show so far has been great. It's been a great help to, to me. And I'm sure that there's others out there that, you know, it was one of the first things that I, you know, that I kind of pimped on my, on my IG. I was like, if, you got, if you're a new guy and you're in the Western part of the country, give Western contours a, a listen because you guys are, I, I love what you're doing. So thanks, man. thanks for having yeah. me. We're just trying to share everybody's, everybody's experience, man. That's what it's about for us. You know, doesn't, uh, I don't, I don't need a guy that has, well, I'm not going to say I don't need a guy that didn't sound right. I, I don't care if you got 200 followers or, you know, 20,000 followers, man. It's about the hunting experience and sharing it as a community for us. So we're, we're looking to do. Cool voice, man. I appreciate it. You can catch up with Brandon on Instagram at thehuntingstudent or thehuntingstudent.com. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up and our brand is going to represent them and now you can too. 
You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com or you can find us on Instagram at DisabledOutdoorsmanUSA. We want you to be a part of the cause with us and let's make a difference one day at a time.